Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Welcome to episode 82 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of Heatman, Shooter, Eternia, Theria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annals, Comics, Mini Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that Heatman, Shooter, Master Universe, Princess of Power, even that faking logo on it? Hmm. I'm Matthew Duke. Here again with Sean Scavani. Sean, how are we doing today? Can't complain. There's no wind chill. I know you were saying there's wind chill where you are. There's no wind chill. There is so. that wind chill, that polar <laughs> vortex, that severe advisory. It is two degrees right now and sunny. In Yeesh. But yeah, Yeesh. It, it is bitter. It is bitter mm. for sure. Oh, ah, yeah. so what you been up to? Um, well, this morning it was get up and jump on Disney Plus to make sure I got to see Book of Boba Fett before spoilers ensued. And beyond I, that, just same old, same old. I so. still have not started that yet, and I don't know what's keeping me from it. Just, I haven't. I, I Really? And it's weird, too, because Boba Fett was one of those guys, right? Like, original trilogy where, like, Oh, he's the coolest bounty. I didn't do shit in the movies, really. Nope. No. Uh, <laughs> you can't really. Uh, tangent, guys. I know. Legends of Grey School going on a tangent. Who can believe it? But. This like, is the first. <laughs> the biggest thing you can give him is like the capture of Han Solo, which he had nothing to do with. Mm hmm. Like that was Vader handing it to him. Basically, yeah. I mean, at best, and, he, and... At best he, he tracked him from yeah, the that's... Star Destroyer, but... Yeah. Come on. I, but so for some reason, this guy was, like, the coolest mf like, growing up. Like, everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to be him. Like, everyone wanted to know mm-hmm. more about him. Mm-hmm. But honestly, seeing him in The Mandalorian and then... Not going to go too deep, but there might be minor spoilers if you guys haven't seen it yet. Um, if you guys don't know, Boba Fett is alive. Spoiler alert! Um, mm. He showed up in the Mandalorian, and now he's got this spinoff series. But like, I don't know. The Mandalorian just didn't do it for me for some reason. Like seeing him, it's one of those things. Like where it seems like the more I get to know about him, the less interesting he is. Like he was just that cool guy. Because he was a mystery, maybe? I don't know. It's kind of how I felt about Wolverine when they got into that era where, like, you know, uh, uh, know, Origins and all that in the comics where they're like, yeah, it was this, he's this and this and this. And it's like, well, now he's not as cool. Well, a whiny, sick British kid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, James Howlett. Yeah. And that whole thing. Um, yeah, like when I was, I, I was talking to my mom about it because my mom was a really big Star Wars and she still is. She really right. loves Star Wars. And like she and I have gotten into rants with each other about directions the the brand has taken in the last few years and stuff. But uh, we were talking about it. And, and like two of my favorites were always 3PO and R2 when I was a kid because shiny metal robot guy and, you know, 
little uh, attitude trash can rolling around. I, I, I love that. And that they were pointed more at my age group when those movies were out. Anyway, sure. they did their, they did their job with that. But she's like, yeah, the other one, like I was like Han and Chewie. And then she's like, yeah, Boba Fett, you were all about him. I was like, I was, and I'm like, I had good taste. But then when you look at, like you said, when you see the original trilogy and even like in the prequels, they have, you know, Django and Boba and all this stuff. Right. And the problem about it, and there even is this problem within uh, Masters, actually. It's the whole, it, what interests you, and that is your take on it, until there's another thing that comes out to say, but it was this. Yeah. that Like me, when I was a kid, I, the mini comics were my canon. Then Filmation is telling me it's something else. And I, I was like, uh, no, this is, you know. And it's sort of the same deal where it's like Boba Fett was basically a blank canvas that you could just go crazy with for the longest time. If you didn't, I know they had novels, like the yeah, uh, novels to fill in the universe. gap, yep. expanded universe stuff. But um, yeah, if you want to just paint your own idea of who he was, and then all of a sudden these shows start coming out to go, but really he's the 60-year-old dude. And now he's this, and now he's doing this. And it's like, for me, I'm, I'm a casual Star Wars guy. I have my opinions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm not a Star Wars, you know, to, you know, live or die Star Wars person. But it, it's a, the yeah, mythology is interesting enough, you know? We're not, we're not Kyle Moore. We have not read every book and every no. comic and everything else. No I've, <laughs> no, I've watched all the movies. I've seen some of the TV shows and. I've read a handful of the books, like, you know, that casual, casual mm-hmm. and best. And yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I guess, I guess I was good with Boba just being like in the Sarlacc pit. You know, I'd heard things about even the novelizations. He escaped, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, it's just the old Boba Fett. It's the, I thought it was kind of odd, honestly, at the end of The Mandalorian when he went and killed Bib Fortuna and took Jabba's throne. I was like, mm-hmm. why? Like, I, I guess I just I just didn't get it. So from that scene, not being just more like, well, that was weird. Like, it just has not made me want to go into a series about that. Well, I, I'll give you, I'll give this to you. Like, when, when the show premiered, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, it wasn't like must see. It was more right, like oh right, yeah, that came saying. out. So I sat down and I checked it out. And the first two episodes, I, I give those pretty <clears throat> decent ratings. But then uh, the middle two, and and it's all over social media if you follow any of this stuff. The the third, uh, yeah, the third one for some people went off the rails, and then the fourth one kind of got it a little back on course. And now this one. Today, today was like Christmas for me. I was sitting there running from ear to ear going, this is the episode I wanted. There is one problem with it, and I won't get into the spoilers of that because it literally just came out this morning sure, for sure. people. But it, it is ironic. Let's just put it this way. It's ironic the name of the show, but it's ironic what they do with this episode is all. Um, and what, what's funny to me is somebody like me, like I'd rather sit there and watch 10 episodes of the Mandalorian day in and day out. That's yeah. just me. And uh, like the new stuff that is not a, uh, connected to the old is more interesting for yeah. the fact that you can do a lot more with it and have flexibility compared to 
if you're if you're honed in on the Skywalker stuff, the Vader stuff, even the Boba Fett stuff, somewhat it, right. there is this. We're, we're pulling these uh, expectations like chains behind us, like Marley's ghost. You know, it's like we have all these expectations from how many years? Forty years. And it's like, I kind of like when they play with the new stuff because we don't have that problem. It's just, you just go on an adventure with this character and you just enjoy it, you know? And that's. Some some people have been there since 77. Like, you know what I mean? My mother was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, it's always much more freeing and intriguing. Like, okay, this has no connection to anything. We can do anything we want to do. You know, so I, I, uh, I, I, well, I think that's why my I am the way I am, even about masters. It's you have so many uh, preconceived ideas of what this should be if you come back to it. Like revel, not not going into the revelation, but revelation was proof of that. There are expectations that all the OG fans were all about. Like, I want to see this and this and this. Or they better do this and this and this. And that is the problem is unless you have somebody that wants to give that to you, you are. And I've said this, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going to be forced to this is something different. You're going to have to either accept it and, and enjoy it or see what it is and just go, well, the, these things I like or, or not or just, you know, those are like your three options. You yeah. love it. You're okay with it, or you just run from it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and disavow it, you know. But then on the flip side, like we've said, mm-hmm. then CGI He Man comes out on Netflix and basically is is either I've seen mostly praise for it or enjoyment, mm-hmm. and then there's a few people that's just like, yeah, I'm just not going to watch it. But you don't get yeah. that. You don't get that hate because people exactly. are not because they went into it without the notions, or they're just mm-hmm. not interested in even exploring it. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, did you see the leaked image of Stratos for the CGI yeah. line? That, <laughs> I did. That was yeah, interesting. That was, um, it was. I will. Was. Po- after we're done recording, I am going to post it on the Legends of Grayskull Facebook group. So uh, take a look at it there if you haven't seen it yet. Um, probably could have gotten a picture to throw up on screen, but I was being lazy this morning. So <laughs> deal with it. Um, <laughs> So what do you think about Stratos? Not what I expected, but that is what the whole show is. All of it is not what I expect, and then I wait to see what it plays out like, and either I love it or I hate it, but out of the design so far, I'd say he's the one where I'm just like, that's it. Like, all the others are souped up in a way, and I feel like right. that one is just kind of like, that's it. So well, I'll give this you- could be the first one that I'm like, eh, whatever. You know? And again, remember... Low res photo. There's like a screenshot mm-hmm. of a photo of a post. Like it's it's mm-hmm. so we're low res. We're on a store shelf somewhere. I'm assuming, or maybe it's just like um, like a dealer room. Like maybe this is something uh, picture Mattel took for like Toy Fair that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but but maybe it's it's a it's a shot of an in package Stratos. So that, actually, the best look you got is kind of on the box art, which box art is. Box art, but yep. I guess for me, the the suit is very much what I expected. It's very tech based, which all the masters have been so far. It looks like a flight suit, you know. It's got mm-hmm. the the aviator helmet. It's got you know, 
kind of the, the Falcon, you know, however you want to look at it, you know, that, that kind of becoming traditional superhero flight suit. Like, I've got flight power, so I've got this kind of suit, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it looks very futuristic, silvers and everything. And uh, I guess the biggest part for me is the person in the suit. Because with Stratos, you are very used to that ape man, monkey, you know, look. Mm-hmm. And this just looks like another Eternity. As far as mm-hmm. I can see. So I think that was the biggest thing for me where I'm like. <laughs> I'm having emails coming in left okay. and right. It's one of those days. I'm like, did everybody hear that? Or was that just me? Excuse <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that was my biggest like, huh. Because mm-hmm. because that, that was my, you know, like I don't want just an Eternian in there. Like, he should be more creature-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with you there, because that was kind of the mystique about him when I was a kid, was what is he? Right. You know, like, they, it, it, it's it, he was unquantifiable. It was like, right. he, he almost had, like, bird-looking eyes, if you want to look at how those the, goggles, the goggles yep. if they were goggles or what. And, well, and then the it. monkey part, but then he had wings, and Right. I mean, the other thing too, if um, not not to get into a whole thing with this about race or whatever, but there was this surprise of from the look of it, the skin tone was a little darker than He Man's, for instance. Oh, which made of, me then go, "He's that that makes it a little weird in some ways to me because there was that feeling of you know you probably shouldn't cast somebody." who is a, a you know an ethnic look or a, you know of another race other than white in that kind of a role because of the ape monkey aspect so i'm like okay they're taking that away completely it's going to be he's just going to be a technological dude in a flight suit and they'll call themselves the avian again rolling back into the same way like the mandalorians are yeah. just people but they that's their race or whatever that's their moniker or whatever you want to call it so yeah, and that's, that's I can live with that to be honest. That the, it doesn't bother me, but it is like a oh, you know, yeah, when you first see it, at least he's at least as dark as Tila in the new show, if not possibly mm-hmm. a bit darker. Um, he reminded me of 2000 X Zodak when I saw it. Okay. Very much, very there, much. There was that feeling there. Yeah. Um, which, like you said, I'm fine with, except for the fact, like I'm I'm good with seeing more characters of, of ethnicity in here. But I expected him to be a flying monkey, I guess, is, is the yeah. big thing for me. Um, I do like I do like the the wings. We can't really see them in package, but it looks like they still come on the forearm. They're they're a you know a, a translucent yellow from the look of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love my translucent Translucence, yes. Yes. So <laughs> I'm excited. I'm oh I'm ready to see what he looks like or how he acts in the show. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I, I I expected a monkey, and you know that was always a question too. Growing up, it's like, well, is he a flying monkey? Is he a monkey that has a flight power? Does he have a flight suit? Like, are the wings his or not? You know what I mean? Like that was always one of the one of the good mysteries growing up. It's like, uh, are those organic wings? Wings are they strapped on wings? Like, what gives? You know, it was all those questions. Which, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, that's about the only part I'm disappointed in. It's like, 
oh, he just got his Falcon suit. You know, that's... Uh, it, 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 it all depends what they on do. how they handle them. It, exactly, and my my major hope after seeing that, and also uh, we saw the Manny Faces yep. figure recently as well, that made me hope this means that season two should be coming around the corner here because now we're getting these leaked things. It's like, well, okay, hopefully it's only a matter of time before we get the announcement that uh, season two is about to hit because bring it. <laughs> I would assume so if all these figures, I mean, that was a production piece of Stratos. They got the large trap jaw we've seen. You know, they the Battle Cat came out recently. Um, I think Beastman shouldn't be far behind. So, I mean, they're still mm-hmm. pumping it out. And the fact that, like you said, the fact that they are kind of slowly revealing these new characters, I mean, we got to be close. So, yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, so, yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump in. So, today, we are actually as far away from CGI He-Man as we just about can be. We're going we're going old school today. As most of you know, uh and we talked about it on the show, the documentary Faking Information, which is going to follow um uh, James Etock and Dusan Mitrovic as they kind of their process of creating their filmation homage episode the return of Faker and their journey mm-hmm. to make it and try and get it out to the fans as just kind of a love letter to Filmation. I mean, they they don't want any monetary gain from it. They're not trying to market it. They just, they both have a great passion for Filmation and they wanted to create an episode and they did and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have not been successful thus far in actually getting it out. I mean, it was cre- it was finished back in 2019. So, and, uh, but as a Christmas present to all the backers, they did release this work-in-progress look at it that you can see on their Vimeo page. And if you're not a backer, if you didn't back on Kickstarter or Indiegogo originally, they did open up Indiegogo again. So you can get in, you can back, and you can see this hour-long special that they put together to Mm -hmm. uh, talk about the process, what they did, and you get to see uh, the scenes of Return of Faker as they stand right now. So, Sean, when did you... So this dropped Christmas Eve, if I recall correctly. Uh, how long yeah. before you watched it for the first time? Um, it was it was not on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve is crazy around here. Um, it was it was I want to say probably a day or two after Christmas. Um, I got James's uh, holiday card he sends out every year. Yes, and uh, to this day I'm still completely blown away that I'm a part of the group that he wants to send that out to. And thank you, um, as always, James. It, it, it's one of the it, may, it makes me just smile to talk to think of the community and the people and the fact that you know I feel like I'm a little guy and he still remembers me. That's awesome, absolutely. And um, yeah, he I, I said you know I hope you had a good holiday with the family and everything. And he goes and don't forget. And I'm like oh I will do it right now. And I literally that minute I just popped it in and I started watching it. Uh, I want to say it was probably the day after Christmas or maybe it was the 27th, something like that. Okay. So. 
Yeah, I I actually just watched it for the first time this morning because I like we talked about before I I needed <laughs> I needed to be in I know I'm trying to make it sound less creepy this time but <laughs> I needed to be in the mood <laughs> I needed to not so much as I needed to be in the right mood but I needed to not be in the wrong mood you know. <laughs> There have been movies and stuff that I have watched over the years where uh, I actually thought of one because uh, I couldn't come up with an example last time. The original Mummy with Brendan Fraser Mummy, the mm-hmm. first one. I watched that when I was home sick one day for the first time. And that is a movie I did not come back to for a long I didn't make it through that day. And I did not come back to it for a while because mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, that was that was that was garbage. Like I couldn't even make it through. It was I did not enjoy it. Like the bits I saw, I'm like, oh no. And my friends are like, dude, what are you talking about? Like it's an awesome movie, and I don't know how you feel about it, but like, but so then later down the road, I went back and watched. I'm like, this is amazing. Like I love this movie. <laughs> I love it to this day, honestly. The Mummy and Mummy Returns with Brendan, the Brendan Fraser ones are, are phenomenal movies. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm just kind of like that. Like if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm not feeling well, like if, like that all kind of rolls into how I perceive stuff, whether it be watching something, reading something, whatever. So I wanted to make sure like there was none of that. Like I needed, I needed kind of a perfect day. And as you said, around the holidays, there's a lot of stuff going on. Not mm-hmm. that necessarily bad, but I mean, you're busy, you're running, you're there's so much, you're thinking about what you have to do, what you haven't done. You know, there's just so much going on. I'm like, I'm not doing this right now. So yeah, but today was a good day. I sat down, I watched it finally, and uh. Spoilers going forward here, guys. So if you haven't seen it, if you plan on watching it, turn this off. Go back, go load your Vimeo, whatever you gotta do, go watch it. Mm-hmm. But yes, I finally watched it, and 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 short answer is that my hat is off to James and Dusan and everybody else who worked on this. Um I've seen a lot of different fan projects over the years, and I have to say this is the best one I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, I I, um, I reached out to him after watching it, and I, I said uh, something along the lines of, you've created my favorite episode of Filmation ever. You know, like that was, like, um, for me, it, like, I always go to House of Shakoti, but the reason I always go to House of Shakoti is the simple fact it made me scared that I didn't know what was going to happen. And it dealt with fear and it dealt with all this stuff. The Skeletor wasn't even a thing in that one. So it took like a lot of stakes and made them higher because it took a lot of the safety net off in that episode. And it affected me in that way. It affected me with all of the, the darkness and the evil and like the Lovecraftian parts. But well, like, for, I was just gonna say, do you think even it might have just been just because it was so, so different? It gave you stuff that you never thought you'd see. 
Exactly. Like, it, yeah. It went it went for some things where like on He Man, yes, there'd be guest villains and, right. and these random people that would show up, but they never took it to the extent of how that episode did. They right. never went into like they never like, when when you went up against some of these guys, they were just sometimes people with barbarian helmets on. You know, right. in certain cases, or you know, and it just there was always this. It was it was never an establishment for that right. villain within a twenty minute episode. It always kind of felt like they are the problem of the day. He man will get you through this. Versus here's a two parter, and this right. is what we're dealing with. You know, and it went it went to some places I was amazed by as a kid, and I still love it. But this one, uh, this one does it in the in the the framework of the villains that we know and love, yep. and it does it so well to make it, uh, number one. It is fun to just go. That's Faker. That right. is Faker. True, and no pun intended. True blue Faker is right there. <laughs> and then on top of that, um, it, just the fact that you get the the actual here's the evil warriors and everything. It's like man, it felt like home. Just watching it for that reason alone. So I completely agree, and it got it got uh, it hit a it hit a lot of little things for me. So, um, you know, I hearing about their process too. So, for those of you who don't know, haven't gotten a chance to see it, I'll kind of paraphrase here. But so basically. You know, traditional animation is script, storyboard, animation, dialogue. With them using everything from kind of the filmation library, they had to go almost backwards. So James wrote his script. He then had Mm -hmm. to find the dialogue. Then they had to animate to the dialogue. So all whilst trying to stay as true as possible to that filmation uh, stock system. Mm-hmm. And that process alone to me sounds so incredibly daunting. Like, even though Grant, you know, James and his encyclopedic knowledge of filmation is the only way this could have worked. Because while I could definitely... Some of those lines I could pull in my head where they came from, but to actually write an entire script using, you know, only only phrases that had come before, or you know, slight manipulation. I'm sure they spliced together some lines, but even mm-hmm. then, trying to get them floating, like just the, just the thought of trying to get the dialogue to me is like enough for me to go like. Well, that was a fun idea. What else can we do? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, the the, the perseverance and the stamina of these guys to be able to do this, you know, frame by frame, piece of dialogue by piece of dialogue. Um, It took them, I think he said, about three years, and it would have taken me a lifetime. Well, I mean, you got to start with that idea that you can't let go of. And when you see how the story of this goes, number one, I always felt that, um, you know, Faker originally on the show, it was a huge disservice to the fact, oh, here we're going to have He-Man with glowing eyes. And as a kid, I even was like, really? Like, why can't you just color him? Like, I mean, it's, it's not like it's... 
you know, that, that, that was always something that it felt like it was a, it was an unused thing for the show. And so, you know, for him to want to put that in there and actually make it, here is the legit, this is, this is how, you know, how we did it. Like young Frank did in that book and all that. It's like, yeah, it's cool. But then when you see what he does inside the episode and inside the story, like some of those points that he makes in here are ones where I'm just like, I would not have been able to walk away from this idea and not figure out how to get it done because I didn't expect him to go where he went with it. And he pulls stuff that it never has happened in filmation. Right. And that's part of why I absolutely love it. No, I completely agree. He, uh, they, uh, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to do a full breakdown here because I feel there's a lot of stuff for people to, uh, to dig into and everything. But I, I guess we can kind of hit some of the highlights for us. Let's, let's try it that mm-hmm. way. I don't want to give away the whole thing, but I, to start off with the early scene with, uh, Man at Arms, He Man, and Tila in the hangar bay, mm-hmm. um, it was a good scene. It was nice to see all of our, you know, kind of the core trio, right? Like, it was mm-hmm. always Man-at-Arms, Tila, and He-Man. I'm kind of sad that Man-at-Arms didn't come on the adventure with them. But, mm-hmm. you know what I actually noticed during that scene? Was mm-hmm. all the little background stuff that was going on. Because that's the kind of stuff that you didn't get back then. There's... You can see the silhouettes of palace guards, you know, walking in the background. Shot of man arms, and you see like the the control room up top, you know, with the windows, and you can see somebody inside that window, like moving around and working. Mm -hmm. Um, the the it was a little stuff like that where I'm like, okay, like they they're obviously this is a love letter to filmation, but at the same time, they're kind of going like. They're kind of bringing it up to today's standards, yeah. if you would. You know, mm-hmm. like, you don't... You wouldn't have all that... De- especially in, like, the palace, where there should be people everywhere. You know? Mm-hmm. And they, they put them in there. You know? Little little things like that, where I'm like... The eyes. The eyes were the big thing I noticed on everybody. There was a lot more, you know, just kind of... Just looking around, like eyes getting wider, squinting a little bit. Like, the filmation did that, like when they were making a point, but this mm-hmm. one seemed a lot more, more natural and often. So I kind of like that they they took the opportunity to not just go like, "Hey, obviously we can copy filmation, yeah," but let's try and punch it up just a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the other thing about it that uh, I I saw the image of it in part of their um, their lead up, the publicity leading up to the uh, the campaign when it was announced. But even going to like an Alfredo Alcala influenced, uh, you know, I, he, it, I didn't holding see that. Up, I yeah, saw that yeah. in the episode for the first time. I did not see that image before, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for somebody like me, that made me happy just because you know that's that's and especially that's an iconic look right. it, from from the mini comics as well. And just the whole uh, He Man holding up a Beast Man over his head yeah. uh, from the mini comics, and in this one, it, it's Faker doing it though. 
but, but it still works. Yeah, it's still it's, because, it's, it's, you know? <laughs> I, I recognize that pose immediately. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. All right. No. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that was a lot of it. I mean, there was the new stuff they used, I and mean, I've heard that they use stuff like, uh, like Brave Star. I've heard was a big uh, source of inspiration because they could do mm-hmm. they could do because Brave Star was animated in the same style. Honestly, Brave Star was even punched up a little higher because that was after you know He Man and Shira. Watching that, yeah. I feel like even even the filmation artists at the time of Brave Star were kind of like, how can we push this a little bit more? You know, a little mm-hmm. more expressive, a little more fluid, a little, you know. So I know there was a couple moments from that that they kind of borrowed from that in here, um, mm-hmm. in the fight scenes. I don't. There's this one shot of Tila towards the end in the dungeon. I don't know where they pulled it from, but it's beautiful shot of Tila. It might even be uh, oh, what's her name from Flash Gordon? The redhead in Flash Gordon. It might be pulled from that, honestly. It might be one of her poses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can even recall the pose I'm talking about. but I, I'll have to watch it again. I, yeah. I meant to watch it again last night. I did not get a chance. But, but there's this um, one very let's be honest, very sexy shot of Tila. And <laughs> toward in the dungeon, no, she just turns and she's got like the hand on her hip and everything, and mm-hmm. it's like I I can picture it from somewhere, but I I can't. I want to say Flash Gordon, I can't remember her name, but I'm betting they based it on that. Uh, so what what about you? What was a highlight for you from the show? Well, I mean, other than the big spoiler moments, uh, one thing I absolutely loved was uh, seeing the blueprints to. Mattel's Snake Mountain floating around <laughs> Snake Mountain itself. That whole and the whole lot. don't don't let them know about this and all that stuff and, and just the uh, that whole thing. I I absolutely loved that because um, the minute they did it, I was just like, look at that, that's great, you know. Because yeah, the there fake- is a, 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 it's it's the faker thing. It's we had female glowing eyes, now we have legit faker, and it's almost right. the the same thing as well. We're also gonna throw in that one because that's how the toy was that's what you had as a kid versus what filmation drew initially and i I just i i got a kick out of that no that whole that whole kind (laughs) of subplot the evil warriors are trying to build a base of their own to kind of leave skeletor and do their own thing and the Mm -hmm. yeah merman comes up with the design and it's it's actually lifted (laughs) right from the style guide for from mattel for snake mountain is what it is and uh Excuse me. Oh, but yeah, that made that made me chuckle. I'm like that. That's a great little little subplot there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> honestly, I liked I liked um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess, I guess we can just go to some of the big moments because that's that's where my mind goes to. Um, mm-hmm. But the well, we'll we'll talk about the end battle. Because obviously that's a big thing of the episode, right? Is the battle between He-Man and Faker, you know? Yeah. So we'll save that for last. But I was really surprised that they didn't <clears throat> they didn't go like color change Faker at all. Like they didn't go mm-hmm. like straight He-Man imposter Faker. You know, he mm-hmm. kind of tricks Orko, but it's dark. It's night. There's shadow. 
You know, same thing with mm-hmm. Evil Warriors. Like, when they can't get a clear look at them, they're like, oh, that's He-Man. Um, so mm-hmm. that was a little interesting. That Because I think that's where everybody goes. I mean, we saw it in Revelation. That was the plan for Mike Young Productions. Like, that's kind of just, you know, um, the UK comics did it with Baker. So... Mm-hmm. That was interesting that they didn't that they they didn't go to that plot, like of of Faker straight up impersonating He Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I that. Well, that's what I was, honestly it was refreshing. Like I yeah. didn't see it going that way the whole time I've heard about this. I kind of assumed it would follow those similar beats. Skeletor creates Faker. Faker impersonates He-Man. Everyone thinks He-Man has turned evil. He-Man's gotta, you know, show he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I thought the story was going, and it didn't. So that that mm-hmm. was nice. I'm like, oh, this is like, this this is fun. I didn't see this coming. You know? Yeah. The, the thing about it that I was impressed by, just from... I can't win today. <laughs> I keep on making the noises. I even turned the sound down, or, or I put it on silent mode, but it's still going to do it. Anyway, um, they they really, like, James really did push a lot of the, like, a Frankenstein's monster yep. aspect to the way that Faker was characterized, his personality. And I liked that Skeletor is kind of like Dr. Frankenstein, where he's so proud he's created this, and it's going to be the thing to finally take He-Man out and everything. And I love when all the other evil warriors see faker they all take a turn trying to take him down and he's wrecking everything right and what what was interesting is that b plot makes sense because they probably would have had to go that route if this would have <laughs> succeeded right. because in all honesty skeletor only needed faker at that point because faker just wrecks everything and they do make it like he's a freaking force to be reckoned with in this one compared to the original one they did in in filmation and I really enjoyed that too because I, I kind of liked if this would have been an episode, like say for instance, not to clash the two, but if this was Mike Young, yep. for instance, Mike Young Productions, this would have been a story that I could see going throughout a, a a season because they have it set up in a way where Faker really is a one man army, and I I would love to even see him looking at Skeletor going, I don't need you either knocking him off the board and yeah, having yeah. him be almost like a third instead of Hordak, having him be the third uh, power within Eternia to fight it out between the, the, the groups or something, because they really didn't make it into, you know, like Skeletor really didn't I, need anyone other than him this episode, you know? And I like how they portrayed Faker. I'm like, I, Honestly, I'm still unsure of... There were times where it felt like Faker thought he was He-Man. Like, he seemed legitimately confused. Like, mm-hmm. He-Man? I'm He-Man. Like, you know, it's like, well, how much of that is... He seemed like a real messed up dude. Like, he's... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I never got a clear read on, does he know he's a robot? Does he not? Does he think he's He-Man? Does he, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was a nice twist. I like the way they explained his power. They used the, you know, manners. Yeah, he's going to, whatever you give to him, he's going to kind of like take that energy and convert it back ten times. Mm-hmm. Like, so that, you know, and that explains how a robot can go toe-to-toe with He-Man. You know? So, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and you know me. I like my explanations. Yeah. If you're going to te- tell me this can happen, tell me why. Um, well, and if you're going to do it, do it in a way where it's meaningful. Because, yes. like, I, I keep going back to it, but the original <laughs> version of this did not make me that interested in that figure. When Filmation did it, it was it was just like, here is Robot He-Man. Boom. That's right. all you got. But when you start adding in these okay. levels of power and how that works, then, yeah, that makes that figure a heck of a lot more fun when you're sitting there after the show's over and going, I got to pull out Faker today. We got to go yeah. at this, you know, and really make it that He-Man's digging deep to fight this thing finally instead of it just being, you know, a bunch of parts that you're throwing at him, like the original version. Agreed. Last thing I want to talk about before we get to the final battle, which is, is the crux of the episode, let's be honest. Sure. The interact, the flirting between He-Man and Tila. I really, <laughs> I really like that. And I know people disagree with me, but I'm one even from childhood, like, like, I wasn't overly interested in the romantic angle as a child, but I was always like, the, you know, Superman's got Lois Lane, Peter's got MJ, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it was always a component, like, oh, the superhero has to have his girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. He-Man, for the most part, didn't... I mean, I always felt it was Tifa, come to find out. Apparently, I a lot of other people read things differently than I did, but I always felt that he-Man and Tila were, were, you know, that that duo, that cu- mm-hmm. that potential couple. And, you know, Filmation only kind of got to it a couple times throughout their whole run. So it was nice just to kind of see that little bit of back and forth between them. And they're both mm-hmm. kind of... I was in both kind of... It, it's amazing that he did all this with dialogue that just recycled. At the end of the day, it's recycled. That's no dig. It is, you know. But for mm-hmm. him to get those kind of emotions where it's like, they're flirting, they're kind of backing off, they're kind of like, no, nah, I'm really serious. Like, all those little innuendos to pull for, you know, just to pull that performance out of recycled dialogue is amazing. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's, I I caught, a, like, granted, I, I am the lesser of anybody talking about this when it comes to filmation, but I caught a few lines where I knew it was from, but they updated it enough right. through one way or another, there was something going on to make me go, I know where that's from, but it, it was used here, and I, I get that. That's cool or whatever. But it is it is a testament to the fact that they could do it the way they did it, and it never made me... It never took me out of watching it. It never took exactly. me out of the story and everything else they were doing. It was almost the, the equivalent of, like... The, the one that I remember the most is... Uh, when Faker uh, goes up to Trapjaw, he's let me give you a hand, and he, he pulls, right. he, you know, his oh, uh, that was his exactly blaster from Diamond Ray of Disappearance. It, it was Diamond Ray of Disappearance, yeah. but never it, once did I, I go, wait a minute. It was almost the equivalent in uh, in um, No Way Home of when Norman does, uh, well, I'm something of a scientist myself. It's like it was just a nod, you know. It, it almost had that feeling to that's it. That's exactly. Oh, the, they just swiped it, you know. That's exactly the example I was about to use to explain it was Norman Osborn <laughs> in No Way Home. Yeah, it's that yep. little homage, a little wink to the camera, like, mm-hmm. no, he's got so he's got he's got He Man's kind of personality, like Skeletor gets mm-hmm. some tinkering there, where he's like, you know. No, I'm gonna make you a robot double. Like you're, you're gonna do what I say, but you're, you're kind of He-Man. 
you know. And, they, uh, they they did this thing with his personality where I I looked at it as yes he's he man, but he he was taunting a lot and I liked that about it because right. that definitely made the differentiations like he man he'll have his one liners in filmation but in this one it's like everything that Faker said there was like a jab going on to right. it and it That's was some of it was the vocal like there was something audio wise in the way they made it turn into like a like a taunt versus yep. it just being how John Irwin delivered it in, in the eighties, and I I I loved how that underlined his character for me in, in the um, it, it's like this is the faker dialogue the He Man dialogue is its own thing and when you put those together you can still tell this is the characters and it's even with the reuse of the dialogue right. that way it's that it's that twisted it's almost uh, yes that, it's the Bizarro angle. Honestly, yes. it's like the yep. no. You think you're Superman, but really everything's distorted. You know what yep. I mean? That's and uh, it, it was very, very well done. So the final battle after after everything else. And trust me, guys. There's a lot more. We're we're trying to leave as much on the table for you guys as we can. I don't think both of us are going to be able to control talking about a huge moment in the final battle, but uh. So, and for those of you who don't know, when James and Doosan first started this, they did not set out to do an episode. This actually started as, how about we do a scene? And that scene was, let's show a scene of He-Man and Faker, real Faker, as Sean keeps saying, you know, true blue Faker, (laughs) fighting. And that's kind of where this started. And then they're like, well, why don't we give them a reason to fight? And mm. they're like, okay, well, Faker kidnaps Orko. And it just kind of all just kept spitballing from there until we wind up with what we've now got to see. And then, honestly, thanks to the Kickstarter backers, we're actually going to get even more. They're adding additional scenes to this. So, mm-hmm. But that's kind of the genesis of it. So obviously a huge chunk of the second act is He-Man and Faker fighting. Mm-hmm. And it is the scene. I'm not going to say it's the scene I wanted to see in Filmation when I was growing up because going back to my kid mind, I felt like Filmation had a lot of great battles. You know, growing up and watching it now through my adult lens, I'm like, okay, they really didn't fight that much. But to me, they did as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Mm -hmm. Your mind filled in the blank. He-Man punched the screen and it cut to someone flying. Like, your mind filled that blank in. So to me, it was like, you know, knockout, drag-out fights. So I'm going to say that this scene takes me back to what I saw. As a kid. But I actually get to see it all this time. Instead of half of it being played in my head. Yeah. Uh, When you put that theme song. Against any. Action sequence they did. It was hard not to put. More emphasis into that. Because that damn He-Man theme song. Is one of my favorite. From childhood. And it's still to this day. Like I still I like the revelation stuff. Bear McCleary, he did great. He did yeah. he did a great job. 
But when I still hear that opening of the Shuki Levy um, score, it's like, yes, yeah, you know, it's like that's in my DNA at this point. Even that I'm not the biggest filmation guy, but that is just it's, it was my childhood. It was there's no way around it. It's my main ringtone. It always yeah. will be. <laughs> you know so, what I mean? So it's, you know, it's like it, it, it helps. It paints that image. It, it, it paints that epicness because of that to underline and underscore the the scenes. But yeah, in this one, I I was sitting there going. Oh, they're doing what I would have done playing on my on my floor in my bedroom now. It's like we're seeing them not pulling punches. We're seeing them go head to head. And this is the version of filmation I've always hoped to see. And they pull it off. They and, they they really did proud with that. And same kind of thing, right? Like there's those there's those parts in it where it's like, oh, I I get where they're pulling that from. You know, case in point. Uh, Faker pinning He-Man to the wall with that giant rock, you know? Mm -hmm. Straight out of Dragon Invasion. Except in there, it's He-Man pinning Beast-Man to the wall. So, Mm -hmm. again, it's that same kind of thing we talked about with the dialogue. It's like, okay, now Faker's using that same move on He-Man. It's not just like, oh, it's ripped. It's like, no, this is like, they've got the same kind of fighting style. They know what the other's gonna do. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they're beating each other up mm-hmm. all over Snake Mountain. I mean, it it's it's awesome, and <laughs> uh, the the things they did with the jumps, the leaps, the you know, He Man like jumping on Faker, Faker pushing him off on his back, like it just I can't even describe it. Like the acrobatics and stuff that we saw is beyond what I thought we were gonna see. Mm-hmm. And you know, it all culminates in a moment that I'm sure Sean is so ready to talk about. And <laughs> I didn't see it coming. Honestly. Neither did I. <laughs> Neither they, did I. But they it's, did it's it. they're they're pretty evenly matched. Skeletor and Evelyn are watching, and Skeletor and Evelyn give like all their power to Faker to try and push him up over the hump to you know to get the dominating hand over He Man, and they collide, you know, huge explosion. I'll let Sean take it from here. And the power of Grayskulls gets knocked the f out of He Man, and I just sat there. Jaw was, on my, on the floor, going. James wrote that. I like, couldn't out of even, anybody. I would have never figured it would have been James to write that scene. I couldn't even process it for a minute. Like, <laughs> Wait, what? Even though we've seen it, I mean, and no offense, like, but we've seen it before. We saw it in two thousand X with the Ramstone. We, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, we've seen we've seen it before, but even still, just in that moment, because I never thought I'd see it in filmation. That's that's the main thing for me is when I when I watched this, I felt myself being five again, whether I wanted to or not. It just took me back down there because all of a sudden you're watching something you 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 know is of your childhood, and then on top of that, it's like, but here's one that you missed. Right. So you do sit down with that, you know that that like you know five, six-year-old mentality, like, I'm getting to see something that even old me didn't get to see. And you're watching this, the minute they go there, because it's never been on the table, then right. all of a sudden they do it, and you're just there like, 
And they did it in a crucial moment, which makes it so cool. And on top of that, then we we get like I I absolutely love that bit when he gets a knocked out and you hear Sorceress scream no and right. she's like oh my god you know the, right. I I just I got such a kick out of how they did that whole sequence it was great oh, yeah. and then she gives it's on the opposite side she gives he or Adam at that point you know she's even called yeah. Adam you know she's like here take all the power of Grayskull uh huh and. He, he he transforms again and just beats the snot out of Faker. Mm-hmm. Now I will say the old I don't know about you, but when he went to raise a sword again and transform back into He Man, I expected a variant armor, and I don't know why. But I guess just mm. because just because of the you know her like here take all the powers of Gray Skull. Like my mind was like Thunder Punch armor. Or, you know mm. what I mean? Like, or maybe movie armor? Like, some, you know, mm. I don't know. I just, uh, flying fists would have been, I don't know. I just, mm. I, in my mind, I would just like, now don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not critiquing these guys at all. I'm just saying at that mm-hmm. moment, I'm like, ooh, are they going to do something, something different now that he's got all the power of gray school? But, uh, but his sword does shoot beams now. So that was fun. And then I saw not the kind of new adventures where it, the, the power sword had that. Uh, power, <laughs> and honestly, mm-hmm. even even Mike Young kind of went there with the snake once it opened up at the end of the of the series. Yeah. There, it was able to shoot yeah. some glass, so that was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to see Faker get his harness destroyed, and we got to see the the voice recorder, the the sticker. You know, yeah, real to real, um, yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I also liked how James took the time to, you know. Uh, Skeletor had been watching through his Havoc staff, but after mm-hmm. that explosion, the Havoc staff was cracked and he couldn't see anymore. So I like mm-hmm. that too, that they're like, okay, we're going to go here, but we're also going to be like, this is why nobody saw it. You know, Tila and Orko get there right after he changes back into He-Man. So, mm-hmm. it was like, Ooh, close call. And it made me feel like a kid again. Like I used yeah. to feel when, when Adam couldn't get his sword or, you know, stuff like that where it's like, how we're going to do this or to save yeah. Skeletor when he's like, you know, Oh, the cannons point at the ship. I'm going to have to reveal my secret. And you're like, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah. best thing is Baker's Baker sees Baker's off. Yeah. That was, oh yeah. That was the best part. Cause I like that. It, it's like, yeah, Skeletor doesn't know. Evelyn doesn't know, but Faker does. Yep. So, you know, that again, if this would have kept going, that would have been an interesting plot point to bring back later down the line. So, well, except for what happens to him. Well, yeah, but it would have been <laughs> like there's a part of me going, maybe it's like the Roboto thing, even though in, maybe, in, uh, in Revelation they didn't go back to it, but it's that whole maybe there's still something left. You never right. know. <laughs> the, the black box is still there. The black box, yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> no, I agree. And I, I, I like that. I like, you know, that final moment where like everyone's like, you know, Faker. Is is defeated, you know, torn to bits, and but he starts a self destruct sequence, and the last thing he says after everybody's cleared out because they realize he's about to blow is, he's just mm-hmm. he's laughing and he's laughing and he's laughing and then he goes, Prince Adam, mm-hmm. boom, boom, yeah, yep, yeah, and that was when I slammed my hand down on my desk. I'm like, damn it, they did it because that was. 
again, this is why they managed to do it. This is the kind of story that if you would have done it all the time, it would have not been impactful. But the fact that they did this story right. and the way they did it, it was more impactful than I expected it to be. It, it made me, it made me go like, my God, you know, like they, they gave me the, the, the one episode besides Diamond Ray and uh, House of Shakoti where I would, I was like, yes, like this, this is the stuff I always wanted to see out of this show. Right. Yeah. Just taking it kind of to that next level. Just, it's just a good, fun story. There was, honestly, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, there was, there was nothing, nothing too deep or nothing too cataclysmic. You know what I mean? And I, again, I'm not, Trust me, guys, I'm not saying that as a dig. I'm saying that as that's what it should be. Not everything has to be, oh, the planet's going to explode. Oh, existence is coming to an end. Oh, no, it just, Orko's kidnapped. We have to save him. Oh, Skeletor created something really powerful. Let's stop it. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what I want. That's what I want. At the end of the day, the villains are defeated, the heroes are safe, and we're off to our next journey. Our next adventure, you know, that's that's filmation, mm-hmm. and these guys faked it perfectly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the CGI show still is pulling those kind of episodes off for me, right? But uh, it, it was good to come home again, you know. Like it, it was good to come home, and and again, you know, Christmas time. Yep. I always equate Christmas. Masters is one of the things I always have in the back of my head at Christmas. Now, honestly, yeah, because um, of, of the amazing He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. Like, it's just... No. <laughs> Not for me, at least. <laughs> I never will like that. I never will. I just can't. But, the you know, it, it goes back to, uh, you know, um, uh, Mark Taylor and the, and the greatness of the line itself. And you know that Castle Grayskull, and then other Christmases I got like the the um, uh, the Fright Zone and Spider, and it's like Masters had that intricate, not intricacy, but it was intertwined with Christmas because I'd always get the the heavy hitter stuff at Christmas time and all that. And here we are, where James is like, "Oh, there's still one left in the bag for you," you know. And um, and honestly, if if he ever gets the chance to do more. I'm more than happy to watch any other ones he does because uh, I Absolutely. I know there's a lot of people out there that feel he has his, his finger on the pulse of what they should do with this to continue it. And, you know, he was doing the, the 85 uh, weekly comic, comic. strip uh, last summer and all that, yep. which I hope that comes out eventually, the whole thing. I've, I really enjoyed uh, what Too they slow. did with that so far. We got to bug him on um, that again. Yeah, because we haven't heard anything for a while, but it, I love that, and also his take on this. So right off the bat, it's like he writes accessible stories that really are—they're love letters to what we embrace about this. And you know, bring on more if if he's able to. Please bring more. Yes, he he captures the heart and feel of the eighties. You know, he's. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys haven't had a chance, you know, he's got the great Serial Geek magazine, which is no longer being published, but there's at least a dozen issues out there. Um, and it's just, it's really good stuff celebrating the problems of the 80s. He keeps promising me that he's going to get a YouTube channel going. 
still waiting mm-hmm. for James. But, <laughs> you know, he absolutely captured the feel of filmation to perfection. Um, and he, he gets the property. And this this is one I will be watching for a long time to come. It is it is right up there with with my with my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I if I have one complaint, one complaint, it's actually it's actually that I think the animation looks a little too crisp. Like we've never oh. we've never seen, and I, I'm completely kidding. I love it. It's it. But that was a fun part of this, too, is that we've never... I mean, as great as the DVD quality is, like, it'll never be this. You are never going to get, like, a 4K version of the classic series. It just it yeah. can't happen. The masters are gone. The, the, the tape masters, I mean, obviously. <laughs> they, they don't have anything to, to redo. They're using mm-hmm. the taped format. So I just I, I remember that feeling of getting the DVDs for the first time after going off the VHSs for years. And it was like, wow, this is so crisp and clear and the colors are vibrant. But then like this is a whole new level where it's like, whew, those lines, look at those, mm-hmm. you know? So that mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to, to revisit and and kind of get to experience for the first time, really. And they, yeah. made, they made sure Merman was proper colored the proper green the whole way through because <laughs> the blue was always an error. So <laughs> in the, it's in the way it, it was broadcast. I know Dusan's got some posts out there on Facebook. I'm sure you can find about it. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. they, it was the color correction when they went to air it that was wrong. They um, because the Eternian skies are green, and they, and the, I hope I'm getting this right. Someone can help me if I'm not. But basically, the Eternian skies are green by default, and somebody thought they were supposed to be blue. So then, when they color corrected that, they also saw Merman kind of the similar green, and they color corrected to blue. So he was actually always colored in the green, but it was broadcast as more of a blue. Hmm. That's above my pay grade. That's yeah. all I know. But I'm just I mean, hey, in that little bit. Of no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, the technical stuff is way above my pay grade. But um, the, it's it, I always look at it from the heart and the intention and the the inspiration and the creativity and um, yeah, anybody who hasn't seen this that is a He-Man fan who's a Filmation fan especially. Uh, you owe it yourself to be part of their Kickstarter slash Indiegogo yep. and get to look at this because if, if, you've, if you've ever wanted to feel like a kid again, you get about 25 minutes to feel like a kid again watching it. So Absolutely. Check it out. I, I'm going 10 out of 10. I can't mm-hmm. imagine... Just the, the level of effort and, and determination they put into making this, and th- they captured the feel like perfection to me. There's nothing. There's nothing more I could ask for. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. Ten out of ten, because like I said, this if this was aired in a, the '80s, this would have been my favorite episode ever because yep. of 
I mean, they knocked the power grayskull out of E-Man on filmation. They didn't do it in NYP. They did it in filmation. I can't even <laughs> imagine how eight-year-old me would have reacted knowing how 16-year-old me at, reacted in my young production. It blew my mind. So, like, eight-year-old me probably would have been, like, catatonic. I I have a feeling, because, like, uh, when I watched 2000X uh, the first times, I had a roommate at the time, and he wanted to watch some with me, and we watched Council of Evil. Yeah. And it, that moment with Cringer jumping across yes. the canyon to save Adam, he and I both jumped up and we're like, yeah, you know? So like I can just imagine seeing that for the first yeah. time, I would have I would have literally been in front of my TV as a five year old going, <gasps> you know, like I because you yeah. never thought that would have ever happened on no. the show ever. So, <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. if you haven't yet, I'll put the link down below again. Get on Indiegogo, back them, check this out. Let us know your thoughts about it. Um, you think we can get? Yuka to put together a fan episode of Mike Young Productions. If he could, depending what it, what it is about, I would like. I, yeah, I would absolutely love seeing something like that. Come on, Yuka, get on it. <laughs> it's like for me, it's it's more of the okay. What in in the case of filmation, that was a glaring omission. No blue faker. Yep. In the case of MYP, I'm sitting here going, what would I want that episode to even be? Because they kind of ended it on an on a way where you could end it at least, even though it wasn't the yeah. greatest ending. So it's like, well, what would that one ep- Would he be adapting that comic book you then? Also, you also got to figure... Like with James, he's got 130 episodes. Yes. Dialogue, stock sequences. You also yeah. have... Shira, you have Bravestar, you have Flash Gordon that were all kind of animated in that filmation style. In house style, yeah. Whereas Mike Young, you've got 39 episodes. Mm-hmm. Period. So that yeah. would probably be a big a big hoop to jump through. But if anyone can do it, Yuka can, right? Well, yeah. And, uh, I I'm I'm open to that. If they want to do a Kickstarter for that, <laughs> come on, you guys, hey. <laughs> get off your lazy back. What else are you doing? <laughs> We're gonna awesome. table that. That's gonna be a good discussion. You know what, guys? Tune in next episode. We haven't done a remastering in a while, and one of our goals this year was to get back to it. So next yeah. episode, Sean. We're gonna come up with if there was a fan made episode of Mike Young Productions, what would it be? The, you and know what? Remember, you've got to stick. You got to stick in with what is already there. So we're going to go the mm-hmm. same parameters. Like James got away with Faker because he had all that He-Man stuff to pull from. So that's true. And I'm not okay. going to let you just choose Faker again for my. Yeah, practice. that's because uh, I'm, I'm taking that off the table right away. That's he wasn't in it. Been done. <laughs> <laughs> Faking filmation fake, fakers, you know. <laughs> the return of faker, fakers, like young production. Yeah, the, the return of faker, MYP episode. Oh. Our subscribers go down through the floor at that point because they're like, ah, hack. Wait, yeah, there's there's our, there's our remastering for next time. Mm. Um, 
Hmm. Anything else you got before we sign off? Um, did you want to talk really quick about uh, a, a different line that we dabble in from time to time, or did you not want to deal with that? Today? Um, let's save that. Uh, guys, stay tuned. We'll be recording another episode of Legends of Grayskull Offworld soon. And on that episode, we will be talking some Mythic Legions talk with that recent right. Legion Builder sale that went on. So we'll save that for there. We'll get Jesse in on it. Um, guys, if yep. you haven't yet, please check out our Legends of Grayskull Off-World episodes. They're a lot of fun. Uh, we, we're up to four of them now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, check them out. It's where we go to different universes besides Masters of the Universe. Uh, Sean, take us away, buddy. Take us home! All right. Take us, <laughs> take us home. All right. Um... Don't forget to hit the like button. If you liked our video, subscribe, ring that bell. Every time that we put up a new video, you'll get the notification. You can geek out with us for one to three hours, depending how long it is. Uh, like Usually it, like our page. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah. We are very verbose individuals. <laughs> um, join our group on Facebook, Legends of Grace School Podcast on there. We have a little community where we like to geek out about He-Man and share all sorts of different things from artwork to the latest news that's coming out as fast as we can get out to the fans. Uh, also, uh, oh, yeah. Go, go on. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, geek them. Uh, you can also find us there to do that, as well as logpod85 at gmail.com. We have yeah. one person so far that loves the email, and they are awesome to hear from, so you can be a part of that group as well. And we are on Patreon if you want to go there. We're going to put up some Patreon episodes this year, too. That'll be a resolution yep. of ours yes, it is. to do that. And uh, join us there as well. It'll help the podcast. Also, on any podcast app that you are listening to us, hey, put up a rating. Give us yep. a review. Let us know what you like. Let us know. Um, let us know if this is working for you. Uh, we have a few reviews on the Apple Podcast app. I think we're up to eleven ratings. So add on to that since hit. it's the anniversary of our podcast this month. Hit, hit all the hearts, stars, horseshoes, clovers, blue moons, whatever all of it. Yep. Blue diamonds, yellow, and purple horseshoes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, General Mills is not uh, is not uh, funding our podcast in any way, shape, or form. We're probably going to get season two assist for that. <laughs> we would be open to it, though. If you're interested yeah, oh, no. in supporting We're... us, let us know. We, we are open to sponsors. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. Until next time. Until next time, guys. Support fake information. Oh, come on. Oh, bear. Oh, bear. Oh!